This is Unorthodox, a show that deals with news of the Jews, which are often fun and lighthearted stories. But before we start this week, um, we just want to take a moment to say how sorry and how saddened and how how deeply, deeply upset we are about the Parkland, Florida shooting. Um, it was a community with a large Jewish presence, and we know that this is a tragedy that hits close to home. And we're not going to get into a gun control debate. We're not going to talk about the shooter. You can get that pretty much everywhere else. But we do want to say that to the families of Parkland, Jewish and non-Jewish alike, we mourn with you. And as the Hebrew blessing says, may you know no more sorrow. Hello, J. Crew. I'm Stephanie Butnick, joined this week by Liel Leibowitz, senior writer at Tablet Magazine. I feel so lonely here. We are missing one third of our of our trifecta, of our tri- our triumvirate. Mark Oppenheimer is somewhere. We're not sure where he is. Probably, probably in Copacabana. I feel like he's at like an LL Bean convention. <laughs> he's like protesting the the, the end of the lifetime rental right. return, uh, whatever that was. He's part of a, of a militant militia <laughs> that's like burning cordroy to New protest. Haven dads. That's right. Um, so we have a great show for you today. Despite the fact that we do not have Mark Oppenheimer, we more than make up for it. We're talking to Phil Rosenthal, creator of the hit show Everybody Loves Raymond. He has a great new show on Netflix. It's called Somebody Feed Phil. Um, it's delightful and he is just a magical human being. And our Gentile of the week is June Thomas. She's the managing producer of Slate Podcasts and one of the hosts of the Double X Gab Fest. So we got a lot going on, but before that, Lil, like, what's what's going on with you? I think that the highlight of this past week, as I'm sure you'll agree, was our visit to Jesuitical. The Jesuitical. 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 The ofi- I cannot do that. Thing. It's like the S in I, casual. I know. I, I you know, but it's I like can't. yeah, Jesuitical. So yeah, we went to we went on the the official podcast of the Jesuit movement of of all Christians. Wherever, yeah. wherever they are. It's like the podcast for hip young Catholics, basically. And we went right. on Ash Wednesday, which was nutty. So first of all, um, the thing that struck me is, because I'm a huge fan of the show and, and listen to it every week. You're also a subscriber to America I'm Magazine. I'm also a subscriber to America <laughs> Magazine. But um, the thing that struck me the most is that these three lovely, polite, young human beings, for the first time, I think, ever in their podcast, were actually interrupted. Because usually it's like, here is what I think. That is a good point. Here's what I think. And we came on as like, no, 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 no. Listen. It was really funny because I feel like at a certain point we were like, okay, now we have questions for you guys. That's right. I know we're on your show, but we like have a series of questions we'd like you to answer. We, we jewed it up. And I have to say the best part of their office um, is the cardboard cutout in the kitchen of the Pope giving a thumbs up. Yeah, who would we have a, I know, a, I was thinking a cutout about of at the tablet offices? I mean, like, look, I would not to equate them, but I would like it to be Drake. <laughs> just doing like the 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 hotline bling dancing, and Drake you can just like or, or Barbara Streisand, or, yeah, yeah, something like that. Or like maybe the Rebbe, just like go all out. The Babacher Rebbe is very very strong. Or go like go like niche like a Boba Ver Rebbe or something like that. <laughs> we could do all of them, like the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper, like collect thing. them all. <laughs> the funniest part about being on Jesuitical. Um, is that they asked us what they should give up for Lent. Which is a very charming gesture. It, it's like for, so, for the Jews. yeah, like I would never do that. It's so right. not Jewish mm. to be like, tell me how to suffer. And we had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of thoughts. Yeah. We took our responsibilities very seriously. We kind of thought like, okay, food, we don't want to do like a food stuff or like a spice or a flavor. Right. Like that sort of seemed too. That's cliche. Yeah, yeah. It's banal. Yeah. We do we, not we do are that. sophisticated. Right. So then we wanted to say like, okay, no, uh, no cell phone for 40 days, which is cruel and unusual. 
and would be really bad for them professionally and personally. That's, that's, and probably will destroy every semblance of <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, we don't want to ruin their had. lives. Uh, we thought no Netflix, which is kind of, you know, kind of a nasty move. Yeah, we thought no chill. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hope you all enjoy books. Only. <laughs> but yeah, like the idea of like no screen time after this, like those seemed sort of silly restrictions. So tell us, tell, so what, tell us what we did. We we went with something that uh, I'm so grateful we don't have to do because it's impossible, uh, which is no political arguments for 40 days. Let's see what this this looks like. I think Donald Trump's a great president, you say. I'm... Thank you for telling me. Thank you for letting me know your opinion. Right. I I'll, think I'll everyone return to my should, cubicle now. I think everyone should boycott Israel. Okay. You are entitled to your opinion. See see how, wonderful, see how wonderful that is? <laughs> no, and I think the funny a thing is... total civilized... I think a lot of the time, also, we, we do surround ourselves with people with similar views. And so when we hear something that's not along the lines of what we believe, we're so shocked um, and sort of scandalized. And the idea to just be like you know what, let it be for 40 days. Like, let's just see what happens. Right. To me, it's, 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 it's even more than that, which I, I th- we said this, I think, on the show. And, and, and uh, you know, we mean this. It's very much in, in, in their spirit. You know, it's very much in the sort of Jesuit spirit. It's like, we're, we're going to learn to listen. You know, we're, we're, we're going to kind of really stop and, and sort of learn to, to accept and embrace and, and be one. Sorry, what? Um, yeah, see? You said listen, I think. Could, could, could even, Jews can't even <laughs> but, do it okay, for a minute. We dropped like a little bit of a surprise on them, which is that we too were going to give something up for Lent. That we did. And how has, tell us what you gave up and how it's been going. Um, not for the first time. <laughs> and Lord knows, not for the last. I have given up uh, the use of certain uh, saucy, shall we say, salty words. Uh, that uh, our listeners have heard very frequently, but their listeners, I really think, have never heard in their lives um, for 40 days. Now, like, Stephanie, what have you given Well, up? let's just say this this week's episode does not have an obscenity warning at it the top. Not. And we it are going obscenity-free for as, Lent. As, you I am, are, as, I, as I am the obscene one, yeah. <laughs> we do not need one. You're taking the obscenity down a, a notch or two. So I am giving up gratuitous use of the word like, not because of the person who wrote in and said that I should not say like as well. That as, person could like go do things to himself that I'm not at liberty even, to describe, describe that sentence. I'm, I'm, but so I'm, I'm trying to say like less just to see if I could do it and how much of it. I mean, now that I've said it here, like I'm definitely going to say it on this show. Like you like, definitely are. No, but it's 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 a rhetorical flourish of mine. And I just thought it'd be fun to give to sort of really have to be in the moment when I'm speaking. Okay, so my favorite story from the Olympics. Guess where almost every member of Israel's Olympic skating team lives? Petah Tikva. Nope. Uh, Jerusalem. Nope. A settlement called Ma'alei Skeleton. Definitely not. They live in Hackensack, New Jersey. <laughs> this is my favorite story. <laughs> and it's basically partially because, you know, everyone oh. like, switches nationalities for the Olympics. And no, almost nowhere more so than Israel, especially for a skating, you know, event. I don't know how many. Are there skating rings in, in Israel? There's one, Literally, there is one. Have you been skating? I have been skating at that rink. Yes. So was it sort it's of called, a... It's called Canada Park, and it's <laughs> up in Metula. 
Where is that? All the way up in the north. So let me read this for you. Happens to come from the Wall Street Journal, but that's just not not on purpose. They just happen to have really smart, just funny coverage. Okay. Almost every member of Israel's figure skating team at the Olympics lives in the same place, and it's nowhere near the Dead Sea. It's Hackensack, New Jersey. The suburban New York town is home to skating's most fledgling dynasty, where members use the local ice house rink as a base and the Federation's president's daughter as a coach. They who, don't need, who needs a house out in Hackensack? Is they, that all you get for your Olympic gold that, money? They all live together in one house. This is like just the craziest thing. <laughs> so, so it's like the Olympics meets Big Brother meets, meets, ma- meets real Israel. World. Yeah. Do we agree that our favorite Olympian ever is A.J. Edelman? We do agree 100%. And I, I think we actually owe Mr. Edelman a sort of kind of apology. Why is that? I think Tablet's uh, you know, coverage of him uh, has been very loving. But I think he took to Twitter to kind of suggest that he, he took offense with uh, what he perceived as unkind coverage, which it, it wasn't. And so... Is now the time to say to AJ Edelman, we love you so we love dearly you. and we deeply. We want to talk to you. And we want to have you on the show. And we want to move in And we want to know how you do the skeleton and we, why your mom doesn't watch. That's right. <laughs> why she closes her eyes when you go face down. <laughs> and But no, I think it's the, the problem is, is there is sort of this laugh factor of, oh, Israeli athletes or Jewish athletes. Like there, it shouldn't be, obviously. And I think he sort of thought that we didn't tread that line nicely. All right, let's not leave Israel for our actual news of the Jews segment, right? Let's never leave Israel. Let's start off with with a story that you wrote. I want to read the headline and you explain it to me, okay? By the way, before you even do that, the headline is the reason I wrote the story. The 500 words that follow are completely meaningless. So do you want to read the headline? No, I think you should. Okay, here it goes. Misbehaved yeshiva students are expelled from their yeshiva for acting as extras in a TV show about misbehaved yeshiva students expelled from their yeshiva. Whew, that was a mouthful. <laughs> that was like a Dr. Seuss title. Uh, there's a new show on Israeli television, which you could, you know, clandestinely watch on YouTube if you speak perfect Hebrew, which you should, um, called Shababnikim, which is the term uh, of endearment to describe the young Haredi Shiva boys who are sort of, uh, how should we say, you know, a, a, a few Mishnayos short of a, of a perfect record, uh, kind of like kind of like the the rotten apples, you know, the bad boys, uh, the wild ones. Uh, these four guys who are the stars of the show are basically the most adorable humans you've ever seen on TV. If you can imagine this, it's if Quentin Trentino directed a romantic comedy set in an elite yeshiva in Jerusalem. That's what the show is like. It's so funny and like kind of dark and really, really, really amazing. So are the actors Haredi kids? The actors are not Haredi kids. But when the director was shooting some scenes, he put out a call basically saying, hey, if you're a Haredi kid. If you're a Shababnikim. If you're uh, one of those guys and you want to earn some shekels, some zuzim, as they say in the Talmud, why don't you come hang out on the set? which is a real yeshiva, for a few hours, we'll pay you some money, Every, everything will be cool. So some kids from a nearby yeshiva were like, hell yeah, we want the shekels uh, for Hashem. Uh, and they, they went on the set and became extras. This is two years ago when they were actually shooting the show. So the show comes out, becomes a huge hit. Who watches the show? 
the rabbi watches the show. So two years later, this is like retro. Ooh, yeah. This is retroactive punishment. Yes, the rabbi's like, well, hold on, this is Shloimeh and Yosele. What are they doing on the set? Because on that day, I'm pretty sure that they should have been studying Mishnah. We were on tractate, and yeah. right, tractate, you know, Sotah or something. They they are out. So this is sort of like skipping class and getting caught on the like city field. This is like exactly. This is like Ferris Bueller yeah. going, going out and getting. Uh, this is amazing uh, because what happened since is that the, there is like now a huge campaign to reinstate these two extras uh, back in their yeshiva, and the campaign is led by the stars of the show, uh, which a is super sweet, b is really really proof that you know Haredi and secular Jews could. If they really wanted to, we, 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 could, we could be together. We could make it work. I want to watch the spinoff of the show that's actually about these other kids <laughs> right. next season. So how can we watch it at all? Or is it just on YouTube? We have uh, to wait for like the Strugim You have to wait level. for the Strugim treatment. But if you're anything, you know, if you have any Hebrew uh, in you, do it. Don't you think there are amazing. subtitles in anyone? Not yet. I checked That literally is so this Israeli. Morning. I know. They're we like, want to watch it. But Mazze. We want to ad- watch it and we want to adapt it for American audiences. Yeah, Netflix, get on it. So we got another story from Israel. Liel, this is a big week for you and hopefully our new uh, Israel story listeners who liked our episode that dropped in their feed. Um, we are totally not tailoring this content to you. Bruchim habaim lachem, chavarim shalanu ba podcast. Shalom, friends. Shalom, friends, uh, as, as a dear uh, friend would say. So um, there is such a thing, which is my favorite institution on the face of planet Earth, with which I'm deeply obsessed. It's called the Academy of the Hebrew Language. And just like every other form of academy, it is absolutely powerless and irrelevant to most people, except for a small sect of obsessives. Now, what they do is they take um, words and they find Hebrew equivalents. And since all the kids are into this podcasting thing, the people in the Hebrew Language Academy thought, you know what? It's about time. By the way, this is not the Hebrew Language Academy up in Harlem. We visited. That you went to last this week. This is a totally different Hebrew Language Academy. This is academy. much less like useful. Oh, right. that was one. That was one. And so, and so they they came. They started uh, this campaign saying, "Tell us what we should call a podcast." First of all, Stephanie, do you have any ideas? What would you call a podcast? Bodie McBoatface. Bodie. Does that happen in Israel? Do people take over <laughs> uh, surveys like that and, uh, and ruin the them word Bodie in McBoat? Hebrew should be the Bodie McBoatface. Potty McPodface. <laughs> Uh, and so, thankfully, the Israeli listeners uh, uh, who So people are, actually wrote in with, with useful suggestions. Oh, my suggestions. God. People, thousands It's of almost people. like you ask Jews for feedback and you, for get, opinions, you get it. You will get the Jews right on there. So um, some wrote to suggest Shmion, which unlike Shimon, Paris, uh, is a cute little word that comes from Shema or, you know, to hearing. Uh, is a diminutive and sweet. Others uh, went for ta shema, which ta meaning cell or pod, and shema meaning listening. But a listening cell kind of sounds like something you know the Secret Service in Israel uses. I think so, that's like this season torture. of Homeland, right? That's like Carrie's like you go in the ta shema. We <laughs> we make you confess. Listen to episode three for um, the real deal. Some people, and this was kind of my favorite, went with taskit, which is such a beautiful old-fashioned Hebrew word for for radio play, like, you know, Orson Welles' War of the World, stuff like that. But then some really, really smart person came up with hesket, which is a nod to tesket, but also evokes the word hasket, which is fancy Hebrew for listen up you. So right now you're not listening to an Orthodox podcast, you're listening to an Orthodox hesket. All right, I like that. It's kind of like when Yiddish... Um 
found a word for email. It was like blitz post. Yeah. Or, and it's or, like, or for sexting. Oh, yeah. It was what was like that? Sh- stupid mail or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right. One final story from Israel. Fine. Um, it's our weekly Israeli airplane drama update. Do you want to take this one away? This is this like. This one is actually not from Israel. It's not? No. But it's about it's from, Israel. It's from England. Okay. This was a Virgin Atlantic flight that someone was on and saw the menu. The menu had a salad on it, and it says, here's how it describes it. A duo of couscous with tomato and cucumber, drizzled with lemon, mint, and parsley dressing. A salad inspired by the flavors, with the U, of Palestine. People did not like that. Has Israeli-Palestinian conflict really reached that lowest of all lows that people are now seeking to take credit for airline food? <laughs> Who in their right mind would be like, that is not shitty Food from Palestine? That is shitty and edible food from Israel. How dare you? But so basically it's it's cucumber, tomato, couscous. That to me is like a little bit of like a tabbouleh. I would call that an Israeli salad. Basically it's a mush. Basically a mush. I would not call here's So this know, isn't rising to the level of discourse for you. <laughs> no, I would be like, this absolutely is my enemy's food. This disgusting <laughs> thing, only Palestinian would make such disgusting airline food. <laughs> Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamu, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Hey, J.Crew, it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Brous and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous Horosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodoxlive. We also have some great events coming up for Tablet members in person and on Zoom. On May 16th, Catherine Wolf will be in conversation with Jews who refuse to back down against hostile crowds in various arenas, from municipal buildings, school board meetings, and of course, college campuses. She'll be talking with Club Z's Masha Merkalova, Safe CUNY's Avraham Goldstein, Attorney John Kovac, Mel Waldorf, Steve Goldberg, and UNC Chapel Hill student Daniel Stumpel. 
Also coming up, a warm and intimate Zoom for those who have lost friendships since October 7th. That's on May 21st and will be a great chance to connect and meet new people. And on May 30th, an in-person tablet meetup in Washington, D.C., hosted by Tablet's executive editor Wayne Hoffman and Catherine Wolf. That'll be at Charbar at 6 p.m. You can become a Tablet member at tabletm.ag slash UO member and get more information about all of these events. Okay, back to the show. Our Jewish guest this week is Phil Rosenthal. He's the creator and host of Somebody Feed Phil, a new Netflix series that combines his love of food and travel with his unique brand of humor and delightfulness. He's also the creator of a show you may know called Everybody Loves Raymond. Phil, thanks for taking the time to chat. Hello, hello. Where are you and what are you eating? Right now, it's uh, about 6.30 a.m. in Los Angeles, and I'm seeing a beautiful sunrise. And my dog is looking at me saying, is it time to go out? We usually go out a little later. <laughs> After the show, has, has food just become, has the ante been up to the point in which if it's just like a bagel with cream cheese, you're like, nah, now this is not being hand fed to me by some amazing chef in some marketplace. I, I don't like this. That's right. If it's not, uh, if it's not a harem, and I'm not, uh, you know, being tended to by many people. I'm not interested anymore. I would think so. So now you're just a yeah. food diva. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I like, I kind of like everything. In fact, the older I get, here's the big secret, the less fancy I want it. Right? <laughs> that I, sounds you amazing. You look for the simple, you look for, like, I'm so much happier with a hot dog than a four-star sit-down French meal with the fancy white tablecloths and all the attention. I'm so in love with the the simple pleasures. And you only really? had to travel to all corners of the world and eat at the finest restaurants to come back with that with that insight. Well it's not that I it's not that I don't love that too, but if left on my own, that's really what I do. Because I guess I, I guess I am lucky and I guess I do get to, you know, have these event type meals. Uh, on a regular basis now, you know, which you used to be once, twice a year. Now, because of the show, I'm having, you know, once a month, maybe more. But you see in the show, I'm going to all kinds of places, not just the fancy places, but a lot of street food is featured on the show. I think that's how people really like to eat nowadays. We want delicious food. We don't like a lot of fuss, I think. We don't want to get dressed up really that much, unless it's a very special occasion. And we don't like all the formality as much as I think we did 20, 30 years ago. Amen. Amen. Dianu. Dianu. On, on Somebody Feed Phil, you, you travel everywhere. You've been to Saigon, Lisbon, Bangkok, Tel Aviv, which we'll get to, uh, Mexico City, and New Orleans. Where did this idea come from? Did an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, in 1996, when the show first started and we were ending our first season, I asked Raymond where he was going on his hiatus, and he said, oh, I go to the Jersey Shore. <laughs> and I said, that's nice. You ever been to Europe? And he said, nah. I said, why not? He said, I'm not really interested in other cultures. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that could be an episode where we send him over as him, and we send him back as me, someone excited about traveling, and especially Italy, and the food in Italy. And uh, uh, three years later, we did that episode. And it's one of my favorites because it's about the magic of travel. And, and it's about how a guy who didn't want to go suddenly got woke 
<laughs> right? And, and, and I see him, I see that what happened to the character that I wrote happens to Ray the person when I'm there. He got it. He wanted to eat pizza and gelato every night. He was so excited. Did you try this one over here? Yeah, Ray, I've had pizza. How about this one? <laughs> he was all, he, he became like we all do, transformed by the magic of traveling. And I thought right then and there, what if I could do this for other people? This is so interesting that you would say this because, you know, I approached the show kind of thinking, okay, well, you know, I, I like travel show, cooking shows, you know, food shows. This is going to be nice. But there really is something transformative. First of all, I, I think, if I may say it, and I hope you don't take it the wrong way, I think you're probably the most likable person on planet Earth. How dare you? It's impossible not to like you. <laughs> there's there's a, a moment in, in the Israel episode in which... You know, there are two tables of elderly women uh, who refuse yes. to sit next to each other. And you sort of bring, you know, Dora over to meet Ariella. And it's, it's just like one of the most. <laughs> could you please run for prime minister of Israel? Could that be the next uh, show? I got to tell you something. They, they, this, I haven't told anybody this, but we arranged for a table. We had the fixer, you know, the person who lives in Israel, who knows everybody there, arrange a table. This was my idea. I thought I would sit with old ladies because uh, I saw them at the mall. Can you arrange for a table of old ladies? I'm going to come over. I'll bring some cookies and I'll sit down with them. <laughs> and she said, it's all, it's all set. It's all set. I said, you ready? I haven't, met, I haven't met them. Is it all set? Yes. I'm getting my coffee. I'm bringing cookies over. I come over. Hello. And the ladies look at me. Hello. Hi, I'm Phil. They just stare at me. I brought you some cookies. <laughs> we, we ate already. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, may I sit and join you? No, no, that's all right. And I look at the fixer, and she shrugs at me. This was the table. They, uh, either they forgot that they made this arrangement, or they took one look at me and said, no, thank you. They're not that guy. And... And then I moved on, and you see it in the show. We start the film where I move on to the next table. They were completely unset up. They were complete strangers. They had no idea I was coming over. And that's the table I sit with. Dora comes over from the original table. Unbelievable. That's so funny. I don't know what it is. It was, it was hilarious to the crew. They just saw me. We were going to put it in originally. It was just too long. Maybe I'll put it on a, a deleted scene so you can see my look of, why, why am I being rejected by these people? And yet there's something, something about the show. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, a very funny scene, but there's something about it that kind of really, I think, captures the essence of the entire show, which is it's not just about like, hey, look at these amazing things that I'm eating or these amazing places, but really kind of, as you said about, about Ray Romano, just not like striving to, to kind of like widen our horizons and, and, and find the things that connect all of us in this way. Was this kind of the intention as, as you set out to do that? Absolutely. The food, I'm so glad that you're getting it, which is that the food and, and even the, the humor, hopefully, is just the way to get you in because it's all about connecting to the people and the cultures and the places. I think the world would be better if we all could experience just a little bit of someone else's experience. And in a weird way, you, you kind of did this with Raymond too, right? Isn't Raymond like the most widely produced, copied format 
like on in the history of television? Isn't there like a Raymond in every country basically right now? There's not a Raymond in every country, but we did. Re- this is real. We won the Guinness Book of World Records. We're in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most successful adaptation of a television show in another country. And that country, believe it or not, is Russia. <laughs> what is the and show I called in a, Russia? It, it was going to be called Everybody Loves Kostya, but now it's, it's called uh, The Veronins, which is the whole family. I made a movie about my experience translating it. It was not successful when I first went over. Uh, and the, that's the comedy of this movie is, is the, the inability for me to get my ideas across. You, you had problems <laughs> colluding with the Russians is what you're saying. Exactly. I tried to collude. I wanted to collude. I couldn't collude. But then you see at the end, I won't tell you what happens, but it's called Exporting Raymond and that's on Netflix now as well. I love the names of all the remakes. The Israeli one's called like Mishpacha Lo Bukhrim, which means like you can't choose your family, right? That's right. Yes. And I came to Israel a few years ago and tried to help over there. But uh, Daniel Lappin, the great uh, writer, he didn't need my help. It was, it was wonderful. For whatever reason, it didn't quite catch on in Israel, maybe because the original is already popular there. The original very much is. Liel's yeah, from Israel. Yeah. <laughs> So that's nice. The funny thing is, so Ray Romano, he's Ray Barone on the show, and they were sort of like yes. an Italian family in Queens. But to me, when I was watching it growing up, they like totally read as Jewish with like yes. the overbearing mother-in-law. Like yes. I was, their Italianness was sort of secondary to me. Guess what? We're all the same. That's true. <laughs> we get letters from Sri Lanka saying, that's my mother. And so do you and Ray, is there like a Larry David Seinfeld thing going on? Was it, was it sort of like, because you grew up in Queens, how much of it is, yes. is based on your life? Well, it was based on the actual physical characteristics of Ray's life, meaning he really did have parents who lived close by, older brother, lived with them. He had twin boys and an older daughter. But what I didn't realize, I thought that was a, that was a very good place to set a sitcom world in. But I didn't know the characters of the people, so I filled in the personalities with the people that I knew. Um, to get back uh, for one second. To food? <laughs> to food, which is yes. al- always prominently on our mind. Uh, so did you choose, uh, how did you choose these locations? Because there are some surprising locations. I mean, you would think it would be, well, let's go to Paris and then let's go to Rome. But you really kind of went to weird, wonderful places. Well, remember, I, I did uh, I'll Have What Phil's Having for PBS already. It's the same exact show. It's just a different title now that it's been uh, put on Netflix and rebranded as a Netflix original. But it's the same show. And I did start in Paris, Florence. Those, those episodes are available on Netflix as well. You didn't want to, uh, you didn't want to re- redo that. You, you wanted new places. How, how, do, you, how do you select uh, cities, though? What's well, the process I'm trying like? to get Americans. I'm trying to get Americans to travel. I'm trying to get everybody to travel. Two thirds of Americans don't have a passport, so I thought if they're if they're not wanting to travel, the the way to entice them may be to start with Earth's greatest hits, the most popular <laughs> places on Earth, the places <laughs> that English is spoken freely. Uh, it you'll have a hotel. You know, it it won't be such a crazy stretch. So I started with those places. And as the show goes on, we go a tiny bit further afield. Now, you know, I'm, 
I'm not an adventurer. You know, the way I sold this show was I said, I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think, like the viewer who watches Bourdain, who loves him, but says he's amazing. I'm never doing that. Although you, you eat some pretty adventurous things on, on some of these episodes. Yeah, for, for, for me, for me, they're adventurous. Maybe for the viewer who, who isn't so adventurous either. But for Anthony Bourdain... I'm I'm nothing. I'm like this is this is uh, Tuesday for him. What I'm doing? He he's eating he's eating the the unspeakable parts of animals. Right, but we never see I, him skyping with his parents. Oh, so, that is my so, favorite so part. <laughs> well, I'm the I guess I'm the you know the nice Jewish boy version. I don't know. I'm doing I'm doing what I know how to do in exporting Raymond when I went to Russia. I Skyped with them on a spur-of-the-moment call when I was with a Russian family because I was amazed that the Russian family, that the grandparents knew how to use the computer. <laughs> I said, let's Skype with my parents and we'll see the difference, right? And they were the hit of the movie. They're the funniest, greatest part of the movie. And then I thought when I was doing this show, you know what the modern equivalent of the postcard is? is the Skype home. They can point their phone out the window or talk to you on the street in, in wherever, whichever city they're in and show it to you. So that's what I do. And of course, they're the hit of the show as well. I'm like, I, people tell me how much they love them. And I'm like, why do I bother traveling? I could sit in the kitchen with them and save a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I would also watch part. that. Yeah, we would totally watch yeah. that. So, but to, 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 Get back for a second to, to the way technology has changed things. Um, hasn't it always? Hasn't it also changed in a way the way we think about travel? Because now you know it used to be you went somewhere and then you experienced all these wonders you've never heard before. Now you know you know exactly what the restaurants you're going to go to. You could read about them, watch a video of them. Like part of the experience is already kind of in you. Don't you find that's the case? And if so, how do you how do you adjust for that? You know what you just made me realize is that the food is actually a real incentive for you not just to watch and not just to, but to go. experience it on the phone. You can't eat it on your computer. <laughs> you have to go there to get that. <laughs> and that's, you know, I always thought that the food is, was the enticement to get you to watch, but the food is really the enticement to get you to go. So, Phil... Episode three of, of season one of the show is Tel Aviv, and you'd already gone to Bangkok yes. and Saigon. Did you have any hesitation about going to Israel? I mean, did you sort of see it as someplace you needed to get to? I know Israeli food is just sort of like everywhere these days. It is the number one food in the, in the world at the moment. It's um, so popular. Everywhere I go is falafel everywhere. Shawarma everywhere. It's amazing. And of course, Israeli food is kind of an amalgam of all the Middle East cultures uh, put together. It's this wonderful melting pot, just like America. Israel has synthesized all the flavors of Iran, Iraq, and Lebanon, and Jordan, and because they're all there. They're all there. It's, it's, the point of that episode is to show you the opposite of what the news is showing you. The news shows conflict. That's what makes it news. Conflict. What if I could show people getting along. But let me tell you, it wasn't hard to find. 
I walk down the street and there's a bakery and I see that the people behind the counter, there's an Arab gentleman, he's wearing a t-shirt. It says, Jews and Arabs refuse to be enemies. And it's written in three languages, English, Hebrew, and Arabic on the shirt. Everyone else behind the counter, Jews and Arabs, have the shirt. The, the business has been around for like a hundred years. It's unbelievable. I stumbled upon a lot of people coexisting because most people want to coexist. I mean, it also happens to be the best bakery oh, in, yeah, Abu Lafia, in, in Tel Aviv, right? so, you know. <laughs> you know it. That place is so good. Yeah. And you went to, like, you really hit the classics. You, you went to Dr. Shakshuka. You went to Uribori yes. in Akko. Yes. Akko's fantastic. Amazing. I recommend Akko. You had Michael Solomonov touring you. It was amazing. Yes. Pretty good, right? This, by the way, when, when I lived in Tel Aviv, this is exactly what my life looked like. <laughs> Michael Solomonov would show up every morning and be like, let's go. <laughs> Let's go to Shimon, uh, the soup king, and we'll have a good time. I love Michael Solomonov. He's a fantastic guide and a a great friend, but you don't need him to go. You can go. You're going to find the stuff anyway. I found that bakery just walking by it. I didn't know about it. I really didn't. Unbelievable. And I like when you're wearing your Sammy's Romanian shirt while (laughs) learning Krav Maga. (laughs) Representing our people. Yes, seriously. that was for you. And so uh, season two, what, what are we to look forward to? Who knows if there's a season two? I mean, we would riot if there isn't. We're hungry for season two. <laughs> we, we, would, we would write, you know, hundreds of letters. Here's what I'm allowed to tell you. Season, the season that's on right now, they're calling part one. Whoa. So I'm not, I'm not stupid. There bum, must bum, be bum. some more coming. Dainu. But I don't know when. I don't know when, and I, I can't tell you where. Well, Phil Rosenthal, we cannot wait to watch. Thank you so much for, for, for chatting with us. And, and like everyone, we, we, we love you. Oh, I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. And our listeners can Netflix and chill to Somebody Love Phil. Uh, there's a bunch of episodes out now, and hopefully we'll get to part two soon. <laughs> Netflix and Phil, we say. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. <laughs> Netflix and Phil. I'm getting a shirt that says that. Thank you so much. It's on my hashtag. We hashtag it on all the Instagrams and, and twits. Twits. Twits or tweets? Twits. I'll go with twits. All right. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye-bye. A happy, hungry man is traveling all across the sea in the land. He's trying to understand the art of pasta, pork, chicken, and Our Gentile of the Week is June Thomas. She's the managing producer of Slate Podcasts and one of the hosts of the Double X Gab Fest, which is one of my favorite shows. Thank you for being with us, June. Thank you for having me. I, I am the final Gentile on Double X Gab Fest to come on the show, but still, I'm grateful. I am. I really am. <laughs> you know, we're going, we're, we're taking it slow. We yeah. don't want to overwhelm everyone with, with our best, love. The best for last. You're good. You're very good. So I want to start this with a tweet. Um, from the editor-in-chief of Politico magazine, Blake Hounshell. He says, the future of media is podcast hosts interviewing other podcast hosts. (laughs) 
have we in this room reached peak podcast? Welcome to the future. We're in the singularity, you guys. <laughs> and none of us are wearing an Izzard shirt. Look at that. Yeah. I, I, that's who I like to interview. I mean, podcasts are huge. Um, it's how people experience the world these days. You don't have to even get out of bed. You just put your headphones in and, and there you are. And you actually started in a more traditional print or text editing job at Slate and then you transitioned to, to audio, right? Yeah, I've had a lot of jobs at Slate. I've been there for 21 years, amazingly. I just wow. missed the first year uh, and I was out there in Seattle. Um, and I, you know, I actually started as a copy editor. I was the copy chief. I was the managing editor and the West Coast editor, which was one of those great jobs because there were no other we- there were no other editors <laughs> on the West Coast <laughs> or any other uh, any other writers or editors at all, for that matter. Uh, and then I was the foreign editor for many years. And then I moved over to writing about television and about the LGBTQ peeps. But all that time, I was podcasting. Like after I would do a day's job as the foreign editor, which was a big job. I would go home and like record a podcast. I, in those days, we would just like read a story from the magazine uh, and put that out as a podcast. And like, why did I do that? I just the, kind in, of the innocent days. I, innocent, innocent days when all we needed was just to hear some words in our ears. We didn't know that we could have banter. Do you have some of that like? I, I don't want to use offensive terms and say <laughs> hipster sensibilities, in which you say like, I was into this medium way before you even knew what a iPod was like do you have some of this like hey guess I was here before I have that about every single thing like excellent <laughs> pencils so everything that. I mean I, I I'm <laughs> I, I pioneer that feeling but um the odd thing is that now one of the things that I'm turning away from podcasts for is because you know the BBC uh, has now made the iPlayer app, which is their like catch-up service for the for radio and so I now listen to a ton of like British radio plays and some newsy things, but there, there's so much competition. It's just like in the early days of the net when, you know, first there were like four web magazines and then every single publication that ever existed was available on the net. Like you just end up being so niche. So I now, you know, basically listen to like 10 stationary podcasts and a few BBC radio plays and of course all, all Slate's podcasts and that's it. Like, who else time for anything when, else? When we say stationary, but we, we do not mean podcasts that do not move. We mean yeah. podcasts about stationary. Stationary with an E, yeah. Please. Well, I mean, enlightened, the, enlightened the, us. I'm, st- I'm astonished to see the astonishment on your faces. I'm interested. Well, see, I, I live stationary, long time stationary nerd. This is my real hipster area. And there are several stationary podcasts. There's one, The Pen Addict. And all of these podcasts, I would add, are in like getting up to 200 episodes. We're not talking like, oh, they've done five and maybe they'll survive. These are thriving, <laughs> successful podcasts with like three ad spots in every episode. Uh, the Pen Addict, that one's mostly about pens. Erasable, that one's mostly about pencils. <laughs> RSVP, a stationary podcast. That's really great. Uh, there's like, there's a couple... Uh, there's one from this one that I'm actually now fascinated by about scrapbooking, the Scrap Gals podcast. There's these two southern ladies talking about scrapbooking. Uh, there's there's like ones that are run by stores. There are so many stationary podcasts, you guys. My God, we to think we went with Jews. <laughs> When we could have done, this is a number two pencil. <laughs> so when those podcasts become like the most popular podcast in America, are you going to be mad that you sort of were in on the ground floor? I'll have given up listening years before. <laughs> and I'll be, you know, I'm, that's the only reason I'm talking about it now is just to get on the record that I, I'm an OG. <laughs> no, this, this is, it's, it's in the right. It, it will be submitted. So yeah. we are, we are um, rapidly growing obsessed with your obsessions. And, and podcasts are all nice and well, but the dominant medium without doubt is television. Mm. Of which you watch a little bit. Yeah, how do you have time for all of this? The shows and the other and the podcasts? Well, 
I, you know, people always ask me that, but that's all I do, really. I just watch television. I don't have a family. I don't, like, I don't waste my time on anything else. I just watch television. I don't, like, go out. So, I just stay in and watch so television. So wonderful. <laughs> what a vision. Why would I leave the house? You know what Once I mean? again, you're about 20 years ahead, <laughs> ahead of, of the car. of us. So um, I, I was saying before when we were off mic, I, I'm willing to bet that you're the kind of person who watches like the most amazing show that none of us have heard of and like we'll be obsessing about three days from now or three weeks from now. What are you watching now? Well, you've got me at such a bad time because I'm, I feel like the J crew does not need to know this about like all my background, but I feel like I'm undergoing a transformation somehow. All of my habits for, for decades are kind of seeming... It, unsatisfactory and I'm like I find myself watching YouTube videos for hours <laughs> for example which is something I would never in a million years have thought that I would do but now I swear I get home I just turn on the TV but all I want to watch for literally hours are YouTube videos of what like, like I mean I think maybe it's because like I'm basically an old lady and so it's like people making cars like it's crafty things oh. it's and it, again I would never in a million because like listeners I'm hip I'm cool you're very cool and like I'm basically watching, you know, middle-aged ladies craft. But, just, you know, it's like seeks like. Really. But I also think uh, the best thing about YouTube is that it just feeds you another video of the exactly. exact same thing. And it exactly. takes you into just weird corners. And <laughs> you don't even have to move. We don't have to do anything. No, exactly. Like the other day I was standing up doing something and it just, they played and played and played. And I wasn't mm-hmm. paying any attention, but they kept on playing. And it was just so comforting. I totally get it. I, I also, my other the other reason that I'm, you know, going down the tubes is that we, I recently started a new British sort of streaming service called BritBox, and it serves up as as well as like the typical oh mysteries, Poirot, Miss Marple, all of that stuff. It serves up the shows that are on TV in Britain this week kind of thing. So there's a bunch of soap operas. So I'm back on my like childhood soap opera, Coronation Street, the greatest huh. show. Even though now it's got nothing to do with what it was when I was a child, and like. Holby City and Casualty, which are British medical shows. And they're so good. They're so like, and again, I go home, I turn, I watch a couple of hours of YouTube videos and then I'm like, I want my stories. <laughs> and I get all like, I don't know, <laughs> Marty, to use a British term, if I'm not getting my... Marty? Marty. I get all Marty if I don't get my Holby City. I like that. We should get Marty. Marty. It means like soft, soft and whiny and, you know, it's not, it's not a Northern thing. It's not, it's not... Well, Marty is sort of our, uh, that's like our base condition. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Marty yeah. and Hangry is how, yeah. how yeah. Jews operate. Yeah. yeah, I hear that. So you came with a TV-related question for us. I did. Which, if we may, before you even ask it, yes. best question we've ever been asked. It's a good, good one. God. Yep. Good it's a classic. God. Come on now. Um, so my question for you is, who is the best Jewish TV character? And is it because they're like realistic is it because they're likable or is it because they're good for the jews okay i'm gonna give you three but i'm gonna end with my my number one but i want to give you three different examples so first one crusty the clown from the simpsons absolutely which you may you could actually probably go the whole series without really knowing he's jewish whose full name is herschel schmoikel his his hebrew name is herschel schmoikel pinchas yerucham krastovsky yeah and he's based on sort of like the Al Jolson character and the jazz singer. And he, his father's a rabbi and there's like a ham sandwich named after him in Springfield. His father's Jackie Mason. Yeah. He, who won an Emmy for his, mm-hmm. his role. I also have to say I really like Josh Molina's character on Sports Night when he's Jeremy Goodwin, where he's basically like the nerdy Purdue. Like he just is so 
sweet and endearing, but also very Jewish. You know what's weird, though? Like, Josh Molina, like, he is the the Jewish actor in, in America in the sense that he always plays Jews. Like, there are many Jewish actors who sometimes play Jews, but, like, he always plays Jews. And they're always, like, Jewy Jews, you know? Like, they're it, a phrase I've learned from my Jewish co-workers. <laughs> um, you know, like, they're, they're, ver- they're not necessarily that they're observant, but they're very culturally Jewish, always. And, and they're identifiably yeah, Jewish. Yeah, right. exactly. And, and self-identifying, like, a little bit is something that they carry around on their shoulders. And they're, like, the intellectual, like, he's yes. always that role. And he, and yes. he does it. And even, like, on Twitter, he's so, like, he's very, pr- he's very openly Jewish, right. which is so ridiculous that that has to be, like, something we celebrate because exactly. it's so rare. Yeah. Okay, but here's my top, my number one, Seth Cohen on The O.C., I think is the best representation. That was Josh Schwartz's like mid early aughts show about the the kids in the Orange County, California. He is just the best because wow. he's nerdy and he's smart, but he like he gets the girl. I mean, to me, that was just like he captured it for where I'm coming from and my sort of demographic was that when I saw that, that was in high school and I was just like, oh, that is like a cool. But I immediately was like, I love him. I get that he's not the cute guy, like the the, the popular guy, but he to me had everything that that really mattered. Right. If Mark were here, by the way, he would probably say Andrea from 90210, which is an early generation. Uh, I want to go completely untraditional. uh, And and I want to go with the heart rather than the mind here. I am going Grandpa Al Lewis from The Munsters, which A, was probably the greatest television show ever made. Second of all, what a character. Uh, First of all, the fact that he's uh, playing the character of Grandpa, whereas in reality, he was two years younger than (laughs) Yvonne DiCarlo, who played his daughter. Uh, Second of all, the fact that he is so completely identifiably Jewish while playing some weird kooky version of Dracula. But the genius thing is that all the jokes really work on both of these levels. He would say things like, in the old country, meaning in the show's context, Transylvania, but also <laughs> clearly because his family, right? Like it, it's just so intensely funny. And he also, I find is this great character who is at the same time, not a hundred percent nebishy. Uh, he's kind of menacing because he's a crazy vampire inventor. And you know, there are all these jokes in which he tries to bite people <laughs> in various circumstances. He still maintains that, that kind of like nice little, Joie de vivre, <laughs> if you will. Uh, Jus de vivre. Jus de vivre. He really has that kind of like, you know, almost like the energy of a Hasidic story. You know, I I've, love that guy. I've never felt more Gentile than I do right now. I did not see that at all. I did, and now I just want to watch the Munsters again just to experience oh, the show that way. He's, I feel he's like you can get to a deep Munsters yeah. YouTube yeah. thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what would you have said? I think I would have said Rhoda Morgenstern oh. mm-hmm. um, because... I, that was like, she, in a way, she, even I know Valerie Harper, not Jewish, uh, but um, Rhoda and her mother were like the first Jewish characters that I was aware of watching, you know, as a little girl watching television in Britain. And I wanted to have that life. I wanted to live in New York like they did. And <laughs> and I, I just remember thinking that they were the kind of people that I wanted to be too, that they were, I mean, it's, it's kind of just a stereotype, but they were, they were outgoing and they were shouty and they were, uh, I don't know, they were, they were interesting people. And uh, I wanted to be like them. And I wanted, and, and, and I really did want to come to America based on what I saw on television. And that was a big part of it. Uh, and and how, how's that working out for you? Uh, it's great. Are we just as you imagined? 
just exactly. You've been here for some years now. I have. I've yeah. been here for longer than I was there. Uh, and I'm an American now. And, and uh, yes, I'm very, very happily an American. Um, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm not in any way sad that... Uh, that that happened when I was a child. You know, immigrants, we get the job done. <laughs> we have Rhoda to thank for that, for, have, for having you here. June Thomas, thank you so much for being with us. Where can we watch? Where can we listen? Where can we um, follow? Well, the, you can listen to the Double X Gab Fest every other Thursday. And also starting at the end of March, I will be hosting once again the Americans podcast, which is an insider look into one of the great shows on television, where I talk with the showrunners and writers and actors and the costume department and all of those people. That will be starting on March 29th this year. Amazing. Wow, we can't wait. Thanks, June. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's June in January Because I'm in love It always is bringing my heart With you in my arms J. Crew, subscribe to our newsletter. It is not the regular tablet newsletter. It is not. Liel writes it. There's I, pics. I do. Yes. It's wild. Uh, to get it, sign up on the bottom of one of our show pages at tabletmag.com slash unorthodox or send an email asking for it to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. You really should. And while you're at it, please rate us on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Share us on Facebook. Tweet about us um, on the Twitter. We'd love to, love to hear from you. You know what, what another way, very good way is to express your love for this year's show? How? I'm very excited to, mm-hmm. to announce, as you well know, that we have a what now on the internet? A store. Bum, 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 bum. A little, a little, a little store for swags. A swag store. Our very. Uh, I, I love selling out so much. I hope we sell out of our selling out. So what's what's on the store? Okay, we've got t-shirts, onesies, sweatshirts, all with these really amazing unorthodox designs by our art director, Esther Werdiger. They're so fun. It's our logo from the stickers, the headphone logo. There's a straight up unorthodox, um, just like in text. There's onesies with headphones on it. It's amazing. There's one of the shirts that says like Liel and Stephanie and Mark and crew. Um, it doesn't say J crew, just so that everyone knows. <laughs> so that we don't get sued. But um, to get yours, go to bit.ly slash unortho shirt. Bit.ly slash unortho shirt. I love this. Um, I've ordered amazing? a number of shirts. Um, they're being shipped to me as we speak. I, I update the tracking pretty regularly. And we guarantee, by the way, that if you were that shirt anywhere, anywhere in the world, you will find love. You will find love. Snap a pic, put it on our Facebook group. Um, my my shirts actually, as of 5.45 this morning, have departed the Origin facility Amazing. in Florida. And they should be on my on my person very, very soon. Wear that shirt and, and people walk up to you and say, there goes a smart, fashionable Jew. And you know where you can wear our shirts to? Everywhere that shirts are worn. Also our live shows. <laughs> Mark, who is not here today, but he'll be at the Greenwich Reform Synagogue this Friday night. Um, you can find out more information at grs.org. And we have another live show at the JCC in Manhattan, our home away from home. That is on Wednesday, March 21st. Mm-hmm. Guests include Ralph Lauren, mm-hmm. uh, Calvin Klein. Yep. Mm-hmm. Donna Karen. Mark Jacobs. Mark Jacobs, Mark Oppenheimer. Yep. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anyone else, but I know there are, I know there are more Jewish designers. And while you're while you're at it, join our Facebook group. We've got all kinds of fun. We have like 2300 members and they are all amazing and I love each and every one of them. Um, and if you want to send us a letter, write to unorthodox at tabletmag.com or leave us a voicemail at our brand new Google line. It's 914-570-4869. 
All right. What about Mazel Tovs? It's that time of the day. It is. I'm 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 gonna go. I'm gonna go mainstream. Um, my Mazel Tov is to Ryan Coogler, director of Black Panther, which is a seriously great movie that you all should watch. I heard it's like sold out all over New York City. So you can't even actually see it. That's great because you should have bought tickets weeks ago, like some of us did. That's amazing. How many times have you seen it? Uh, just once. It just opened a couple of days ago, <laughs> but I intend to I intend to correct that. My Mazel Tov, I'm going unorthodox this week, is to Kansas City. They're getting a Jewish deli. Um, I saw this on the <laughs> Facebook of our listener, Sarah Link Ferguson, who's my girl, Cats in LaCroix. So Kansas City is getting Broadway deli. Um, so Kansas City now has one Jewish deli more than the Upper West Side of Manhattan. To those of you keeping track at home. So Liel, your segment last week with the Harlem Hebrew Charter School was like a massive hit. Everyone loved you talking to children. And to like follow it up, like we have a special special in-house treat of some other some actually like some kids who actually really want to talk to you we have more well i don't know about that actually maybe maybe kids who really don't want to talk to me but they're my own so they have no choice hello children poopy <laughs> see lily did not take the obscenity warning this morning uh with us are lily six years old and hudson four years old and lisa hello lisa hi guys um, poopy. I'm Lisa, trying to rein in the poop here. I, I guess I see where they get it from. <laughs> yeah, listeners, uh, if if you think I'm bad, the younger generations are are far worse. Uh, Lisa, welcome to Unorthodox. Thank you very much. I think right now, yeah, you need to lean in there. <laughs> I think right now there there are probably some listeners who are wondering if I am um, in life just as I am on the air. So would you tell them that I am worse? You're lovely. Oh, please. I have a reputation to uphold. <laughs> um, children, the holiday of Purim is is upon us, and, and pretty soon you guys will be wearing costumes. And so, <laughs> Hudson, what are you going to be for Purim? <laughs> Who are you gonna I be? don't know. We're making radio gold here. <laughs> Lily, who are you going to be for Purim? All right. <laughs> Who's Can you that? say it again nicely? Arwen. Who's Arwen? Uh, She's the princess of the elves. From? Lord of the Rings. You what, guys must be related. What, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful nerd. Hudson, who are you going to be? I forgot. Paddington. You're going to be Paddington, <gasps> Paddington Bear. I like that. What should I be? You should know. be a giant poop monster. A giant poop monster. I mean, I, I think I probably have everything I need for that costume. <laughs> that is a very easy costume. What if I can't off. make that? Is there anything else? Um, uh, <laughs> Galadriel? Yeah. What's that? She's the queen of the elves. Oh, I want to be that. <laughs> uh, but can I be like a poopy version of her? <laughs> <laughs> no. You guys are going on a road trip, right? Yeah. Right after this? Yeah. Are you excited? No. Why not? Because I'm going to barf. No, you're going to barf. Are you going to barf, Hudson? No. I'm not constantly sick. I get sick. I'm not even a little bit sick from the car. Not even a little bit sick? Not even a boat car. Why? Not even a boat car. Not even a boat car. That's it for our show today. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Write to us at unorthodox at tabletmag.com or call us at 914-570-4869. For merchandise, check out bit.ly slash unorthoshirt. See pictures of my cat on Instagram at sbutnik. 
join our Facebook group. Our show is produced by Josh Cross and Shira Talishkin with help from Julia Frakes. Our artwork is by Esther Werdiger. Our show is edited by Noah Levinson. Our music is by Golem online at golemrocks.com. Rabbinic supervision by Rabbi Jason Wiener of Knesset Israel Synagogue, aka The Shul on Robertson. He's also head chaplain at Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. We record at Argo Studios, which has never failed an Olympic drug test. We're proud to be part of the Panoply Network. Shalom, friends. Hey, you're the name of the Mexico. <laughs> <laughs>